Just to say, on the 10th of July, um, you've probably heard us mention this before, but we've got a, a sort of in a morning meeting, and then we're going to have an evening meeting as well on that day, 10th of July, mark it in your diary if you're able to be there, um, where we're going to be sharing vision in the morning and looking at what God's saying to us as a church, but then in the evening, giving time to share updates and news and pray together and a bit more about the prophetic and a bit of engagement on it as well from everybody, just being part of that, exploring what God is calling us to do together as a church. So the 10th of July, mark it in your diary, I think that... Mr. Bollinger has sent something out or something's coming out with that in as well. Is that right? Excellent. So look out for your inboxes as well, but 10th of July, do mark that in. Right, okay, that's uh, right. move away from sweets. You can open your chocolate and eat where you are. <laughs> On it. Of course, share, you know, do share it around. And um, so we're doing this series, as many of you know. Um, Lurstoff Community Church is a family of Christ followers who together... And to, today we're looking at gather as God's people, that we're a family of Christ followers who gather as God's people. And if you've got a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I'm not going to read masses of sort of uh, verses out at all. In fact, I'm going to focus in on, on one verse and um, also going to be speaking more broadly than simply gathering on a Sunday morning as well. But the context of the verses in 1 Corinthians, if you know them, um, 1 Corinthians 14 is the kind of gathered church and... Um, Paul is speaking to some significant challenges that the church in Corinth were having. Um, it's always good to read that, that the Apostle Paul and the churches he was involved in, they weren't, just, they weren't perfect. You know, there, there wasn't like there were no flaws at all. And as you read through 1 Corinthians, you soon realize this, that their meetings were not always great. The way they were exercising their spiritual gifts was a bit chaotic and confusing and maybe a bit about self-promotion, uh, a communion. And we're going to be taking bread and we're working towards, by the way, getting back towards sort of bread and wine and, and so on and so forth and moving away from these lovely little cups that we love so much. Um, and so but we have got these today. But even in communion, there was division and there was drunkenness as well. So, you know, it's always worth think, reminding ourselves of that, that there were difficulties in the early church. And Paul is writing into this context in 1 Corinthians. But I want to focus on one verse and it will come up on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. And it's kind of the first part of that verse, really, which he says this. He says, when you come together. And then he goes on to talk about spiritual gifts and the use of those in the context of the gathered church. But it's those words, when you come together. I just want to focus on this morning. And the previous verse, actually, in verse 23, he says, therefore, if the whole church gathers together, and he goes on about speaking in tongues, but it's just not, sometimes we read past that bit, when the whole church gathers together. Now, he's not clearly talking about the whole church, global church, through all time and eternity, is he? The whole church gathers together. He's clearly speaking to a local church in a local setting, a group of people who are a local church. And he's saying when the whole church, when you all get together. In other words, Paul is expecting that there will be regular times where the majority of the church gather together. And this is one of those times for us on a Sunday morning when the whole church get together. There's an expectation of it. And like I said, I'm speaking more than just simply Sundays, but we'll get to that. A little bit later on. Now, when it comes to kind of when you come together, of course, you know, the past few years that we've been through with COVID, 
And I don't know about you, but it's, you don't want to move on too quickly and you don't want to kind of move on too slowly, as it were. But you want to have wisdom in how do we walk through this, having come out of such a significantly difficult time for us all. And when you come together, well, we hadn't been able to do that for so long. And, and I don't know about you, but it's kind of almost easy to forget or what we've been through. And yet all of us have been affected in all sorts of ways. And just important to remember that as we speak about gathering together, that we're still finding our way with it, aren't we? Yeah, we're still finding our way with it. You know, over COVID, we formed new habits and routines. You know, getting up and watching a Sunday morning with your cup of coffee and your pajamas still on and whatever else and your bacon sandwich and sitting down on your sofa was different than getting out the door, wasn't it? Particularly if you've got a young family. You know, I don't know if seen that Michael McIntyre sketch of leaving home when you've got children. Does anyone know that one? Have a look on YouTube later on. Michael McIntyre, leaving home when you've got children. Before and after he talks about. And uh, <laughs> it's on the money. I always said sometimes leaving the house on time for church with young children was like trying to pull away from a black hole. It was like, man, the gravitational pull is so strong. And so it's not easy when we form, as we form new habits and get into a, maybe a slower pace. And it's not all bad either. Maybe struggling still due to sort of health concerns and other things like that, you know. And also, I think during the time of COVID as well, what's clear to me is that for all of us, we start to question things. Well, hang on, what is church all about, actually? And I've been going every week, I've been serving, I've been doing this. Well, and we start to ask questions, and that's not a bad thing either. And so before we took a look at kind of when you come together, it's really important to recognize where we are now. Where we are as a church family, where we are in that. That we're not all in the same place on it. And to not assume that everyone thinks like I do. Because of course they don't, do they? And so it's a perfect opportunity, although it's a challenge, it's also a perfect opportunity to really work out what it means to love one another. To ask ourselves in any and every situation, gathered situation, what does it look like for me to love the person in front of me, given what we've been through and given what we're going through? And that is a given for all time, but especially at this time, as we're coming out of this season, to ask what love looked like and what does patience look like for this person? What does kindness look like in this conversation? So we need to walk with real love. But the other thing I think we need to walk with is real wisdom as well. Sheep heard it said that, um, you know, you know um, was it knowledge is knowing tomatoes are a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put them in a fruit salad. Knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. Has anyone ever done that? No, good. <laughs> Thought Ham was going to go up there. But... Okay. Wisdom is the application of what we know. And again, whenever we're stuck with what to do in a situation or how to handle something, one of the things I try and do, I go to James chapter Chapter four is it, it talks about wisdom there, that the wisdom of God is pure and peaceable and gentle and open to reason and impartial and it's sincere. And it, it talks about it, it produces peace. And I go to that and I think, well, Lord, your wisdom has these characteristics. Peace and gentleness. It talks about in the, the, the gentleness of wisdom. Isn't that a beautiful picture of something? Don't we need gentleness? 
It's not a wussy thing <laughs> to be gentle, is it? Jesus is the one who is gentle. And so this wisdom we need, this gentleness with one another, this character. And so I'd encourage you, have a look at that wisdom in the book of James. If you're struggling to know what to do. And you'll know what it's meant to look like in characteristics in how we're meant to handle things. But we want love and we want wisdom as we gather together. When we come together, these things need to be in our hearts and worked out in our relationships as well. And much of what I'm going to say, and to be honest, much of well, pretty much everything I would say that we've said through this whole preaching series. It's not new, is it? If you've been around church any time, maybe you're a new Christian. Maybe you're here this morning, not a Christian, and you're trying to explore this stuff and find out what it's all about. But if you've been a Christian a while or been around the church a while, you'll know that this is just a reminder. This is reinforcing things that are important to us. And if you're anything like me, I need reminding. I need reminding of these things. I need them reinforced into my life. And so the first thing we read here is when you meet together. And it's when, not if. Not maybe. Not Paul doesn't say, hey, look, if you wake up in the morning and feel like it, meet together. Or if you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like it, yeah, you know, take it or leave it. He says, when you meet together, there's an expectation of it. And one of the um, aspects in our culture that, we, that you'll know of is this um, highly developed kind of individualism, this autonomous self. I was reading something that was written for school children, um, sort of a primary school children. And it was a poem and it was all about um, no one else can kind of tell you what to do or think, basically. Just look inside and you're going to have all the answers. Just thinking, what? And you're telling young children this. So what, their parents' wisdom, their grandparents' wisdom, their, what are you saying? That, 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 you know, it's the world saying, no, you are the ultimate arbiter of, of, of truth and of morality and of ethics and of wisdom and everything as a child. Now, of course, we use our own reason to um, assess things that people tell us. Absolutely. But that isn't the end game. It's not like, well, just look inside your entire life because... What a weight to carry through your life to think that I've got to have all the answers inside of myself. If I only believe in myself enough. You know, my eldest, my eldest children's, their school logos are very much this. You know, anything is possible and believe in yourself. Wow. Okay, now this, it's not that it's, not all, it's all untrue. It's just this emphasis. And some of it is basically untrue, actually. <laughs> and unhelpful. Um, but anyway, let me, I won't bang up, but individualism is there. And, but, but also along with that, people are seeking community. I joined a new community a few months ago. I joined Russell Brand's community. Anyone knows who Russell Brand is? Russell Brand is a very high-profile comedian, um, writer, and now YouTuber. I think over a million followers on YouTube or something like that. And he started a, a community. And I thought, okay, I'll click on that email and I'll, I'll, I'll subscribe to it because I'm just curious as to what is he saying there. And he's trying to build community. He's trying to do it through what he thinks is the answer in terms of the amalgamation, if you like, of all spiritualities together um, into one thing and how that outworks in our lives and in the political sphere and all this kind of stuff. But the language he uses is, is it resonates with people. People are signing up to this online kind of community. He's offering help. He's offering advice. He's offering wisdom and people are buying into it. Why? Because although there's individualism in our culture massively, the autonomous self, that it's me, myself, and I, ultimately, that people crave 
for genuine community. And we've got to understand these, these um, currents in our culture, whether it's uh, individualism or whether it is also tribalism. People kind of getting very much locked into their tribes and what they think and then sort of fighting against others and their beliefs and ideas and so on. We want both. We want community. And, but I'm also an individual. Isn't that true? You are an individual. You're not a kind of, I don't know, a, a, I can't think of the word, but a, a, just a, a, a church isn't to be this bland, blended kind of soup of Christians who all dress the same and look the same and speak the same and, uh, and, and whatever. It's not meant to be that. You are an individual. But actually, but we are a community. And the emphasis we see in the New Testament is this as well, isn't it? In um, Paul, when he writes about our Lord, he says 53 times, one, one writer points out, 53 times Paul writes our Lord. And only once he writes my Lord. So Paul is community in his thinking. He's, he, he, that's what he is in his thinking. He's thinking the church, the gathered people of God. Our Lord. Most of the time, I haven't checked that out in terms of at one time, he says, my Lord. Jesus taught us to pray what? Our Father in heaven. Our Father, not just my Father. There's a communal aspect, and it's important that there's the individual, not at the expense of the community, as it were, but the community, not at the expense of the individual. And we see this in 1 Corinthians 12, actually, going back a couple of chapters, where Paul says this. He says, you, plural, are Christ's body, so the community, and individually, you're members of it. There you see Paul bringing both the community and the individual together into this community, binding us together. So he says, when you come together, and we'll get onto the glue that keeps us together in a moment. But the point of this is when you, not if, when we gather with other Christians, it's impossible to follow Jesus on your own. I really do believe that. We all need the encouragement of others. And then we can say, well, I can get that online. Because let's face it, we can access, you can access better preachers. <laughs> let's be honest. You can. More articulate, more biblically knowledgeable. You can do that. So why don't, why don't we just do that? Why don't, why don't we just, just kind of, I can go online, I can watch some stuff, be encouraged and so on. Because Christianity is an embodied faith. In the incarnation, you are the body of Christ. A body is something that is incarnated in the flesh, in a moment, in a location. Being with one another physically, you are embodied creatures. <laughs> the physical is important. It's not just me and my spiritual relationship with Jesus. The physical matters. And that comes through loud and clear in the Bible, doesn't it? And therefore, our physical being with one another matters. That's why it was painful when we couldn't gather together over COVID. That's why it felt weird sitting at home on the sofa. I think that's why I struggled to worship at home to a screen. It's together with one another. And then you can't live out half the Bible anyway if you're trying to do it on your own either, can you? Because all these one another's, there's over 100 one another's in the Bible. I think we've got some of them will come up on the screen here. Can we? Whack it up there, the picture of the one and others. This is something I've pinched offline. Hope there's a thing. There it is. You probably can't even read that. It's so small. But anyway, <laughs> let me read some of these out, these one and others in the Bible. Romans 12.10. Honour one another above yourselves. 
I won't bother reading the verse that you come after me afterwards, but let me just read these out and just think them through about, because I tell you, I would say every day in every interaction I have with people, I have a fresh opportunity to work these out and to grow in. And to be honest, when I read through them as well, <laughs> it's a fresh challenge that goes to my heart that makes me go, Lord, now please help me. You know, the Christian life on our knees, on our feet. On our feet, we're trying to do it. We're trying to live these things out. And then we mess up and we realize what our hearts are like. On our knees, figuratively, you don't have to kneel to pray. On our knees in prayer, Lord, help me become more like you. Holy Spirit, help me to be more like Jesus. On my feet again in front of someone in a conversation. Apply these to our lives. Live in harmony with one another. Love one another. And serve one another in love. Bear with, put up with one another in love. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another. Instruct one another. Agree with one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. There's loads more here, and maybe we can send this round. I don't know, I've got the thing at home. But he separates them out with humility. One another's about humility. Huge amount about unity. We're going to be talking about that later on another day. And love. Let's just take a minute to pray, shall we? <laughs> Lord, I pray. Lord, all that we've just read out there, I know in my own heart, Lord, I need your helping. And now, we could be overwhelmed and think, well, ah, how do I do all that? But Lord, thank you, you're so gracious and kind and gentle with us as we were just hearing earlier, Lord. And so I pray that just one of those things, and maybe it's something I haven't said, but another one another, that if we're followers of you, would land in our hearts and you'd give us the grace to work out in our relationships this week. Yeah, amen. Maybe another verse in Hebrews that says... Um, Hebrews 10.25, don't neglect or abandon your meeting or assembling together. Don't neglect it. Don't let other things get in the way and press in. And I know like recent seasons, it's not been difficult. It's difficult to meet sometimes. Paul, when he was writing some of the letters, was in prison. Pretty hard to do that, isn't it? If you're locked away. But even there you find opportunities to gather. In fact, I was in I was at the prison this week and... Uh, and we were on the chaplains there and just exploring again, just whether we get involved a little bit up there. And it's great. There are opportunities to gather in prison. You've got people like my friend Richard who's up there who's helping people gather and follow Jesus in that setting. So we find a way, even where it's maybe illegal to gather. One of the most encouraging stories and challenging stories I heard um, from a friend was about in, in a country where, where, you, where it's illegal to follow Jesus, you get persecuted. But so the, the church leader basically drove around and, and stopped somewhere, picked a few believers up. They got in his car. They worshipped. He preached, topped them off. They got out of the car. A few more got in, drove again, and so on, and so on, and so forth. <laughs> That's how they did church. You find ways of doing it. We are privileged <laughs> to be able to do it like this, to be honest, to gather freely in a great building and with Yorkies and <laughs> seeing coffee afterwards. Many of our family across the world don't have that privilege, do they? But we find a way to do it. We find a way to go to people who can't get out. A wonderful story recently at King's in Norwich. 
and um, where someone has not been well and not been able to get along to church at all. And there's about 20 or so people had just formed this group around this person to visit regularly and be with them and to pray with them and to take communion and all these things with them. It's beautiful. We find ways of gathering. So when you come, when you come together, not if, and it's when you actually do come together that this coming together, as I've said, is important. Jesus called the disciples to be with him. And in doing so, he called this kind of very different bunch of people together who you wouldn't normally put together in a room from vastly different backgrounds and worldviews and opinions and what they thought was important. And he brings them together and he centers them around him. See, how is it going to work? How does church work? There's all sorts of, like I said, Russell Brand is trying to form this community. Now, he is the one who's at the center of it. Why are those people there? It's because of Russell Brand. Do I think it will work long term? No. Why? Because it's built around a personality. I don't think that's what he wants. I think he wants genuine community. But we always build community around, around, around someone, really. One that holds it all together, as it were. People are looking for it. Uh, I followed the atheist um, Sunday assembly, they're called, and uh, for a while online, just to kind of see what was going on there. These atheists that were gathering every week, and they gathered to sing, and they're still doing it a bit. But I'm not sure how's that going to ongoingly work in terms of genuine community. At the heart of our faith is Jesus, has been said this morning so clearly. It's all about Jesus. He is the head. He is the cornerstone. He is the one who's built. It's all built upon. He is the one who holds it all together. He is the head. He's the life of the church, isn't he? It's all around Jesus. And as we do that, people from significantly diverse backgrounds are suddenly built into family because he gives us the grace to then work out this one anothering deal when it's difficult. Because we're going to need to bear with one another sometimes. We're going to need to forgive one another sometimes, aren't we? We're going to need to do this. We're going to need to honour others' needs above our own sometimes. And go, actually, no, Lord, help me to prefer that person's needs over mine. Although I feel like this. Help me to prefer this person over myself at this moment. And God says by his Holy Spirit, he gives us the grace to it. Jesus, when he was on the cross, we see this in the cross and the resurrection. We see Jesus forming this new community on the cross when he's got um, his disciple John in front of him and his mum in front of him. As in Jesus' mum in front of him. And he's got John and Mary in front of him. And he says to John, John, this is your new mum. Mum, this is your new son. Welcome to church. He's forming this new community. These genuine brothers and sisters. It's not a brothers and sisters isn't a nice religious, I don't know, brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, it's, it's, it's not that. It's to communicate the depth of relationship that God wants in his church. Between one another. Family. And so Jesus forms this new family. There you see it at the cross. You see it at the resurrection as well. When Jesus gets together with the disciples, he comes into the room. It says he stood in the middle of them as they were gathered. Jesus in the middle. And also a number of times, I think well, twice in John's gospel, I think maybe more. It says on the first day of the week, they were gathered together and Jesus stood in the middle of them. Jesus in the center, first day of the week, gathered together around who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That's church. It's 
part, church, that we gather to Jesus. It's interesting, the first day of the week thing. It does seem there was this tradition thing, as it were, if you like, this expectation that the beginning of the week, the first day, before we go into our weeks, that we gather together, encourage one another, be together, share encouragement, share stories. That's why we gather. One of the reasons we gather on Sunday mornings, really important. But like I said, it's not just Sunday mornings either. And you'll see this in, in, in culture as well, these different levels of community. And if you've been in work training, sometimes this comes through there. It comes through sometimes in businesses and how large businesses grow. And I think it's in battalions as well, in army. Where is, am I right in a battalion? I'm looking at the back. 150? Around that? A bit more than that, but no more than 200. That'll do. It's around that anyway. There's a principle I've read somewhere in the army even that in terms of the, the size of people together, that it doesn't go beyond a certain amount because you can only know around 150 or so people kind of in a community and feel connected to it. Apparently Gore-Tex, um, which was one of the most sought-after companies in the world to work for, um, they, it, they had divisions within their workplaces of 150, then they divided it up again. Um, they started another division because they recognized that people found connection in about that amount of people. And that's an interesting dynamic that's going on. And when you see Jesus, you see him in all these different levels of community. You see his one with the Father. You see his sort of three or fours, that would be running partners. Three or four close friends, James, Peter and John. And he gets away with them now and again. You see the twelve, obviously. He calls the twelve to himself. You see those sort of level of of community in groups together. And here that will be things like um, sort of our, our community groups and so on gathering together to be with one another to encourage one another but you also see jesus as he sends out the 70 and then on the day of pentecost i think there's 120 you just see these kind of principles that are there in society and what it means to be human in these different levels of community that we all we all thrive within and ultimately we thrive most when we're in those different levels with jesus followers as it were that we are in close relationships with people in like the threes and fours, we've got people around us who are close enough to see it, close enough to say it. People that know us well enough. People that, we sh- that do know the depths of our hearts that we share with. That we're in these sort of other communities of 12 or 15 and so on. You've got missional community as well with Jody and Dan. And, oh, oh, and the, um, the uh, community groups as well. Tim, you here and Bev, are you here? Stand up, Tim, Bev. Sorry, I'm just going to embarrass you for a second. Sorry, just, sorry. But if you want to get involved in a community group, go and see these guys. They're doing a great job informing it. But these groups you meet in homes around the town. Sit down now, sorry. <laughs> Not everyone might know you, that's all. Um, but we appreciate that. This is the kind of what God has called us to. Gathering in these different contexts together. Yeah. And also Hebrews 10.25 seems to be pointing towards this final in-gathering of God's people. If you read Revelation, people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation gather together. And I do think that this local church gathering on a Sunday setting like this, as we worship together, as we thank God together, is, is, is a pointing forward to something that is going to happen. Yeah? Pointing forward to this church that Jesus is gathering from all nations to be with him, with God's people, and we gather together. I came across a story once um, from a, a chap who came from a Muslim background who'd become a Christian, started following Jesus. Um, and huge cost to his life and relationships. Huge cost. 
And he said this. And it really struck me when I read it. He said, I gave up everything, including my family for Christ. And all I got in return was meetings. I gave up everything. And all I got in return was meetings. Now, you're saying, Toby, you're contradicting yourself. Because, yeah, of course we gather in organic ways and together as friends throughout the week in different settings in our homes, around the table and all that way. But these sort of more organized ways of Sundays, well, aren't they just meetings? Well, they are meetings, but we are meeting together, absolutely. But you kind of know what he's saying, don't you? That you kind of came in a stranger and left a stranger, maybe. One of the things I say at Kings is, we have a welcome team. You have a welcome team here. They stand on the doors. I ask the congregation at Kings sometimes a question, which is, who are the welcome team? What reply do you think comes back? All of us. We are the welcome team. Who's the welcome team? We're the welcome team. We are. We really are. And stepping across the room and saying hello to someone you never met before and you don't know and they may have been coming years and they may be new. I don't know, just step out in that and encourage you. We don't want people to walk out and we don't want people to experience, not just on a Sunday morning though, whether that's in community groups or in other settings throughout the week. We want to have our homes open, our doors open, our tables with people round, don't we? And you are a hospitable church. We've enjoyed much of that. But let's keep pressing into these things together, yes?